All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining our uh, Legacy Christian Academy Town Hall meeting. We are so pleased to be with you today. And with that, we will go ahead and get started. So Mr. McGee, I am coming over to you to kick us off. Thank you, Shannon, and uh, welcome everyone. Um, it, it looks like we have well over 300 participants on, on the Zoom uh, webinar today, so we thank you for joining us. Um, we have lots to share with you today, so um, let's uh, just start with a word of prayer. So if you would, bow with me. Our Father, we um, pause it in the middle of this day, the day that you have made for us and designed for us to um, reflect your glory. Father, we, we are humbled by all that is going on in the world today, in our country, in our state, and in our community. We don't, we struggle to make sense of it all. We, um, we don't know what the future holds. But Father, we do know who holds the future and that it is in your hands and that our lives and our families and our schools and our churches, our businesses are all in your hands, which is a great place to be. Father, may we be reminded that there's so much in this world that is beyond our control, that um, we are subject to the consequences of our sin, that we live in a fallen world, so we shouldn't be surprised when there are challenges such as these. But Father, maybe we may be reminded that <clears throat> mankind has faced greater challenges than these in its history. And yet through your providence, through your sovereignty, we have overcome the challenges. You have allowed us to continue our work and um, expanding your kingdom. And so we're grateful for that. We're grateful that we serve a loving, uh, and good God, who is perfect in every way, and who is trustworthy, and that we can rest assured that no matter what we face in the future, you are there superintending, you are there providing support, you are there providing direction. Father, we would ask for your guidance in these coming days and weeks. We would ask that you clearly uh, give us a path forward so that we might uh, continue to represent you and we might uh, continue to serve you. And I would ask that all that we say and do this day would be to your honor and glory. And I pray in the strong and precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, just a reminder of the different resources. I know we have a number of new families on our call today. Uh, so if you haven't seen this before, these are the folks that you can contact or, or the um, um, uh, email addresses if you have particular questions uh, concerning school operations. Uh, those are, uh, uh, just keep that resource guide handy uh, so that you know who, who to reach out to. Uh, I want to continue to remind our parents that tuition assistance is still available. We have not expended all of the funds uh, available to help families who might find themselves in uh, financial stress because of the pandemic. So um, I know our uh, tuition assistance committee 
is continuing to meet. And so we, uh, uh, we are meeting the needs of dozens of new families who in the past may not have thought they would ever qualify, now are qualifying because of uh, the recession and soft economy and, and the consequences of this pandemic. So listen, we want to help you parents. If uh, before you withdraw your child for financial reasons, please give our tuition assistance program a chance. You might be surprised at uh, how we might be able to help uh, you keep your children enrolled in our school. Um, and, and with that, you know, I, I, I can't express my uh, enough gratitude to the families who have contribute, contributed to our Stronger Together Fund. You know, we made the decision early in the spring to divert all undesignated giving to our tuition assistance fund. And uh, parents, you have responded in a big way. We have raised over $112,000 to enhance our, um, our, our tuition assistance fund. And, and those funds are being put to good use. We're able to help literally dozens of uh, families keep their children enrolled at uh, in legacy, and we're still accepting donations. In fact, we're, we're, we're getting donations even this week. So thank you parents for your help uh, in supporting that fund. These are some important dates for you to uh, note. Uh, um, we're gonna uh, comment on some of these uh, a little bit later on, but um, I did want to go to that last bullet point and address the elephant in the room, probably the biggest question on everyone's mind right now is, will we be able to open our doors on August the 6th? And let me tell you the short and quick answer is, we don't know yet. Uh, our plan was to open on August the 6th. We made that uh, calendar change back in May, assuming that the pandemic would uh, subside to a certain degree and that we would have no restrictions regarding the opening of school. Well, as we've learned just really in the last 24 to 48 hours, um, many counties are beginning to put restrictions on schools. Uh, they are delaying the start of on-campus um, activities. Uh, I know Dallas County to our south has already uh, issued an executive order that no public or private school may start school before September the 8th. Um, and there are, uh, and it seems like there are many school districts even uh, beyond Dallas County that are adopting that same policy. So here's what I can tell you parents. Um, I'm convening the leadership team along with our board chairman, Brad Brenneman, and our school attorney on Monday morning to discuss uh, if we will be able, the question if we will be able to open our school uh, on August 6th. It is our hope we will, but at this point, we, there are so many things happening so quickly that we may have to revisit that, um, but uh, please stay tuned. We will let you know just as soon as possible. In fact, I would hope that by Monday afternoon, we could get, give you a definitive answer. But, you know, we sent the, uh, uh, the reentry plan, New Heights, to you. And as soon as we sent it, some of it became obsolete because of changing circumstances and environment. Now, uh, again, most of it still applies. But uh, as we've said from the beginning, and this goes all the way back to 
uh, when we went to distance learning in March. We have to remain fluid and flexible through this pandemic because there are uh, things that happen that are beyond our control. And we are still subject to um, uh, both our governmental authorities, both local and state. So I, I think that's a, a very important point to make. And I want to, I want to emphasize this because I've had a couple of parents email and say, well, I thought we weren't uh, under the TEA guidelines or I thought you know, with it, that we were independent. Well, we are independent of TEA, but we are not independent of the governor of Texas nor the uh, Denton County, which is our, uh, uh, our county of residence. So, so we're still subject to government fiat. So it's really important, parents, you understand that, that, um, you know, that we, we have some level of independence, but we, it's not complete independence. And of course, we're always going to make decisions that are in the um, uh, uh, best interest of our students and our teachers and their health and well-being. So uh, please just be patient with us. Uh, we're convening the, our, our meeting, our leadership team meeting on Monday morning, and we should have an answer for you as far as can we start on-campus uh, instruction on August the 6th. Next slide, please. All right. Well, it is my privilege and pleasure to introduce to you our new middle school principal, Dr. Joy Bell. Um, we, I, I know we had an announcement last week about her coming on board. She has hit the ground running. I can't tell you how happy I am to welcome her to the Legacy family. Um, I've known Joy for about two, two years now. I've admired her work. Uh, she and I have had several conversations about educational matters over the years where our paths have crossed at different conferences and the opportunity to invite her onto our team was just, uh, just a really um, a, a God thing. Uh, she is a godsend. I think she's going to be uh, provide some strong leadership uh, just in time. And so uh, it is my pleasure to introduce to uh, you to her, and she's going to say a few words to you. Ms. McGee, thank you so very much. Um, I want to thank the Legacy family for the warm welcome that I've received so far. I feel as though I've been at Legacy for years. That's the warmth that my family uh, has felt over the last week. I'm looking forward to serving. Uh, yes, these are definitely unusual times, but I will tell you, and I've only been here a week at Legacy. Legacy is well prepared for this challenge. So Mr. McGee, I thank you for inviting me. I thank you that we are all here together to lock arms during this time. Back to you, Mr. McGee. Thank you, Joy. I uh, look forward to working alongside you as we uh, uh, provide great services to uh, our middle school families. All right, let's uh, get into the, uh, the New Heights educational plan. You're going to hear from uh, several of uh, the team members of the, our, our different uh, 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 crisis management teams today. We've updated uh, a number of things from the original plan that was uh, sent to you back in June. So, um, um, so here we go. Let's, let's go ahead and get started with that. Who's up first? It looks like Daniel Townsley is going to give you an academic update. Daniel? Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to our town hall. Wanted to share a little bit about our academic planning. If we can move to the slide on the reentry plan. So 
Uh, we published this last month. It's been republished again, but this lays out the various scenarios. And again, the leadership team will be meeting on Monday for uh, direction on actually what will happen on August 6th. So please, please wait accordingly for that, that announcement early next week. Um, but we're still waiting. Do we have the authority to reopen or not? Um, and then given that authority, then parents have some decisions to make. And we developed a new online option for families when they're looking at the entire scope of the year, feel it's best for their children to, to stay off campus. We have a LCA online program that I'll speak more about. And then we also have um, our on-campus learning. And on-campus learning, I'm going to spend some time talking about the, the flex option um, that's part of the on-campus. Um, so basically with our options, we have two academic options. The first is our on-campus program, which includes our core classrooms focus, which we've been working on for the last two months. We've invested time and resources in offering micro classrooms next year, ranging from 10 to 14 students per classroom with an average of 12 which will help limit a student's exposure. The goal was to be able to increase physical distancing so as to provide the safest environment possible so that students would have a physical campus to return to under various scenarios. In addition, based on feedback we've received from families over the last month, we have been focused recently on providing more flexibility for families. Um, just as Bill McGee mentioned, flexibility is the word for the day, uh, but flexibility for families who want a physical campus to return to but who might require or prefer to keep their children at home for a time period, but still receive instructional support from their teachers with the ability to return to the physical campus once a family situation or comfort level changes. So flexible learning will be available for, camp for families in our on-campus program. Therefore, on-campus learning is a full service model that provides the most flexibility for your family if you are unsure about whether or not your child should physically attend classes due to health concerns for any part of the year. If your child must be absent for personal illness or because you do not want them to be put at risk um, of infection or exposed for a particular time period, then your child will have access to the curriculum being taught through a combination of video recorded lessons and live streaming. The classroom teachers will make arrangements for quizzes, tests, projects, and other means of assessment. Your child will still receive personal and college counseling services and would progress as if they were physically present every day. However, they would not be eligible to participate in extracurricular activities on the days they're absent from school. Flexible learning will require parents to provide some level of oversight. Um, over the last month, we are grateful for the families who have reached out to us about an option that did not require moving completely to our LCA online program. And I hope that this clarifies that our on-campus program will support your child at school and at home, given the various circumstances your family might encounter. On our online, our second option, on the other hand, LCA Online is being offered and was designed for families who have already made the decision that they do not want their child to attend on-campus learning for the school year. This is a limited service model that is offered at a reduced rate of tuition. Please understand, please understand that this option requires a family to support their child at home, similar to how you would a homeschool child. Our lower school library team will support the primary LCA curriculum for grades K through five and periodic, 
periodically check in on student progress, but it will require the student to be self-disciplined and able to learn on his or her own. For students in grades six through 12, Seven Star will provide both the curriculum and teachers. Counseling services or access to extracurricular activities are not included in this reduced price model. By choosing this new program, LCA Online, parents will be relinquishing their spot on campus for their child for the 2021 school year. However, your student would not lose hers or her place at Legacy if you decide to return for the following 2021-2022 school year. You'll be given priority re-enrollment status. So if we move to the next slide, This lays out the various scenarios, the variations for grades kindergarten through fifth grade, and then also the Seven Star Online Academy partnership for sixth through 12th grade. And the next slide will list the rates that have been, been published already, but just for everyone to see them. Lower school K through five is 6,000 annually. And this is, this is the total cost. This is not on top of tuition. This is the total cost. Um, if tuition has been, paid up front, then that will be applied to this um, cost. And then the seven star partnership for middle and upper school, sixth through 12th grade is by the courses selected and they're 900 to $1,000 uh, by the various courses. So if your family is interested in learning more about LCA Online program, uh, please contact our admissions team or myself and we're asking that families let us know by July 22nd so we can begin to uh, make adjustments in any, any classrooms or, or other schedules. Um, and we have now a finalized commitment form as well as an updated contract, and we have those available. So please reach out to us uh, for that, for more information or for that paperwork. Thank you. All right, Daniel. So we do have uh, a few questions for you regarding the uh, your portion of the presentation. I want to let everyone know before I jump into questions with Daniel that uh, we're going to visit with uh, Nurse Angie and hopefully Bill Dyer next, and then we'll talk with Gene Potts as well before we open it up. Uh, or we'll be doing specific Q and A's over their section. So if you have questions with anything Daniel has shared, now would be a great time to put those into the chat. So Daniel, first question for you, um, does flex learning basically equal distance learning? The, the answer is no. Flex learning is supporting the on-campus instruction. So flex learning is gonna tie in with um, the on-campus instruction. So the teachers are working and we're um, organizing technology for more live uh, recorded, for recorded resources so that a teacher can share those with students at home. So the goal is to support students at home during flex learning with more resources that a teacher will be developing for those that are in the physical classroom, but it will be different than distance learning. Distance learning will occur um, officially by the school and that will be the entire class at home with, with that distance learning model enhanced that we experienced last semester. So a big difference will be a teacher will not be able to Zoom with students in flex learning at home because they'll have a complete classroom during that time that they'll be uh, working with. But they will be sending more instructional resources, more recordings, um, more touch points for a student at home so they feel connected, although they are not on the physical campus with what is occurring in the classroom. 
Okay. Uh, a question about Spanish immersion, can that be done in, a, in an online model? And then the follow-up, can it be done in the flex option that you talked about? With the LCA online, Spanish immersion is not offered. The amount of time, uh, the goal is around four to five hours of immersion experience per day for our lower grades. Um, and we're not able to accomplish that with the LCA online program. Uh, Flex will make it very difficult for, um, for the online, but we'll, we'll do our best to support that. But you know, especially with Spanish immersion, uh, the priority on the physical class will be paramount, but the teachers will do their best to support the students um, and, and send them materials. Um, it'll just be more difficult because the interactions that will be missed peer-to-peer -peer are, are a big part of the Spanish immersion program as students uh, begin to practice the language, to explore the language with not just their teacher, with one another. So Spanish immersion, it, it, will, it will be more difficult with the flex, um, but if there's a season where your family's struggling <clears throat> and needs to remain at home for various scenarios, then we'll do our best with our Spanish immersion team to give your family and your child as many resources as possible to be in, be in Spanish. Okay. Another question about flex learning. Uh, will those students be eligible for top 10 or honors at, for top 10 honors or, you know, valedictorian salutatorian at graduation? And the answer is yes, because flex learning is still um, on campus instruction. It's just to be received virtually at home. So it's still part of our curriculum. The teachers that are grading the in-class students will be grading the, the students that are, that are off uh, campus and flex learning for a particular season. Um, so um, that will still apply for those students that, the, that, that choose the on-campus model, but find themselves at home for, for various periods of time. Okay, um, next question. For families who select LCA online, if they have already paid more in tuition than what the LCA online model costs, will they be issued a refund? They will be. So only that $6,000 will be charged. Okay. And then... And or, or by the course fee, by the, okay. by the upper school and middle school course fees. Right. Um, and then families that choose LCA online this year and then return to, you know, traditional legacy enrollment next year, they will only pay the re-enrollment fee. They won't pay the, the new student re-enrollment fee. Correct. And that was one of our goals to keep them part of the community. Uh, we just know that for this next year, there's different sensitivities families are navigating. So they will still be part of that and it, they'll be considered like any other student re-enrolling. They'll have that priority re-enrollment status and no additional charges apart from any other family um, during that time. Okay. Um, and the flex learning, just to clarify, that's a, that's, there's no tuition difference there. It's, it's on-campus tuition. Yes, it's, it's, it's just our on-campus model will be supporting in the class as well as um, flex learning at home. Um, if there's a student who's ill for a week or two, then they'll be able to still access instructional material from their teachers and coursework. So they can, they can come back into the, the on-campus model when, when they are healthy or it's safe for their family to do so. So the goal with the on-campus is to provide a physical location to attend that's reduced class sizes, as well as supporting learning at home. So a student can come in and out 
of the physical campus and at home. The LCA Align is just a completely separate program for families who do not need that, that flexibility and will remain at home for the entire year. Okay. Um, is flex an option at all grade levels? Yes. Um, of course, the lower the grade level, the more parental involvement will be needed even in the flex situation. So the LC Online is more of a homeschool supported model through Legacy. Flex learning um, will be more closely aligned more with our distance learning without Zoom capability. Um, so the younger the grade, the more the parents will need to help with that. Um, but, but our goal is to provide as many additional instructional resources as possible for those families. Okay, if, um, or do you have an answer uh, in terms of the duration that a student can remain in flex learning? Are there any maximum time limits? We have not put any maximum time limits on it at this time because of we know the various scenarios and, and um, just given how the summer has developed in different ways than many projected um, in May, then we do not have any, any maximum timelines for putting on flex learning. Uh, we want to provide a an, an possibility for students to come on campus when it's safe and healthy for their family to do so and to support them at home until they're able to return on campus. Okay, and I don't know if, if you can answer this or you may need to save it maybe for the principals later, but can you talk about some of the, how is distance learning in the upcoming school year, how it might look different than distance learning did last spring? Distance learning will, will have more live contact with teachers, more Zoom conferences. Um, so that will be increased. The, the teacher-student FaceTime uh, will, be, will be increased as well as support materials. Um, but a, but a, big, a big area that parents gave us feedback on was just more time for their students to see their teacher and one another. And that'll be a focus um, if we transition or when we transition to distance learning uh, for our programming. All right, I am doing my best to, to keep up with the chat window, but I can see that I am 54 messages um, behind. So I think, uh, it, is it sufficient to say that families can expect some more communication surrounding the flexible option, especially following uh, the meeting on Monday that Mr. McGee alluded to? Well, the, the goal is for families to know that on the on-campus model, we can support and are gearing up to support students being at home because they're not able to return for a season. And so, so that's our goal. So uh, teachers having more recorded lessons, materials being sent home, more virtual resources. But the goal with, with the flex learning is just to provide options for our students who are coming back on campus and find themselves at home for different periods of time to still be support in our academic program. Okay, very good. All right, I am scrolling through these questions. I think that we've covered most of them and if not, we'll pick them back up towards the end because they probably need to go to principals. And so I'm gonna go ahead and recommend that we transition over to Nurse Detloff and let her speak for a few minutes. Thank you, Adam. Uh, as guidelines and recommendations continue to change, I want to thank you for your patience and understanding as we continue to monitor and wait for the most current information to be announced. 
In order to provide a safe environment for our students, faculty, and staff, we will follow the current CDC guidelines of when we are able to maintain a physical distance of six feet apart. Face coverings will be optional. And when we are unable to maintain this physical distance, face coverings will be required. If a student forgets to bring a face covering to school, we will be able to provide a disposable face mask for them. Now, in regards to our testing protocols, if a legacy student, faculty, or staff member tests positive for COVID-19, I will be everyone uh, responsible for notifying all those who have been in close contact with the individual, such as teachers, administrators, and classmates. Those identified to have been in close contact will be dismissed from school, and each family involved will follow the recommendations of their physician regarding whether to undergo testing or to institute a 14-day self-quarantine. We have defined close contact as being less than six feet apart for more than 15 minutes without a face covering. And we have also updated our possible exposure protocol to direct each family to follow their physician's recommendations regarding to testing or to self-quarantine. Due to recent discussions regarding COVID-19 testing supplies and retesting recommendations, our protocol includes the CDC's time-based requirements for students, faculty, and staff returning to campus after a positive test result. The requirements include no fever for 72 hours without the use of fever-reducing medications, noted improvement in respiratory symptoms, such as a cough or shortness of breath, at least 10 days have passed since the symptoms first appeared, and they will need to provide a letter to return from a physician. If a student is exposed to COVID-19 and or is um, indicated by contact tracing, the family will be asked to follow the recommendations of their physician. Students uh, will quarantine until test results can be verified, which can take two to, up to two to three days. Those awaiting test results or participating in self-quarantine will receive direction and resources to support learning at home from their teachers. And Adam, I'm sure we have lots of questions. Yes, we do. Uh, we have a few for you. I believe you spoke to this, but I want to give you. I want to ask it outright and give you a chance to answer it. Are children ten years and older required to wear masks all day in class? Um, they will be required to at this point, um, since the CDC's guidelines have not changed. Um, they would be uh, wearing masks only when they are unable to maintain the physical distance of six feet apart. So again, in the classroom, um, we are uh, arranging um, the classroom in a way that will allow for the physical distancing. So the only uh, circumstances that uh, would involve uh, wearing masks could happen during um, walking in the hallway or um, during a uh, walk to a specials class um, or while working on a science project. Um, but uh, most of the time they would be able to maintain the six feet apart and, and not have to wear a mask during the classroom time. Okay. And if someone in my family tests positive for COVID, would the school require the student to move to the flexible learning plan until the family's exposure is over or everyone tests negative? 
Yes, with a possible um, exposure protocol, we would ask the families to um, definitely um, check with their physician and regarding their recommendations. Um, there's a lot of things to consider in regards to um, if they are exhibiting any um, symptoms that are um, would be related to COVID-19. Um, but uh, during that time, uh, if they choose to go ahead with a quarantine or are waiting for a test result, then the, the flex learning um, or the resources uh, would be available to them. Okay. Um, and I'm seeing this question come up a couple times. Do children younger than 10 need to wear a mask? At this point, um, yes. Uh, again, uh, the CDC's recommendations have not changed, and they um, continue to um, say that uh, the only ones that should not um, wear a mask are those children that are two, of eight, two years of age or younger. Um, so at this point, we're going to continue to follow those recommendations um, unless something changes between now um, and the start of the school year. Okay, and can you clarify if the governor says we have to wear all masks or wear masks at all times, but the CDC does not? Is Who do we follow there? Is there a hierarchy? Um, well, at this point, uh, when the, the governor um, uh, issues a statement, um, that basically equals the minimum requirement that we need to follow. Um, and again, at this point in time, um, what the governor has said and what um, the CDC and the uh, Denton County Public Health um, it differs. Um, and so at this point, that is why we're going to continue to follow what the local public health agencies and the CDC are recommending. All right, perfect, thank you. Um, are there any specific types of tests required for a negative test result? Um, at this point, um, no. I would, I would say I would leave that up to um, each family's physician um, in, in regards to what they are recommending um, due to how quickly things are changing. Um, and with the CDC time-based um, requirements, um, a lot of physicians are not recommending um, a recommending test test be uh, done or a second test to confirm a negative um, case, and so uh, our students, or our um, faculty and staff would would follow that um, that those requirements regarding no fever and and uh, a decrease in the symptoms and and no uh, symptom or it's been 10 days since the la uh, since the symptoms appeared so that time-based um plan um we're going to be relying on that heavily um especially going into uh, if there's a shortage of testing supplies um and definitely with the the recommendations of the local physicians all right uh, just a few more. Thank you for, for answering us here. Um, if a child is found to have a fever at school, are we requiring a doctor's visit before they can return to school? Not requiring a doctor's visit, just encouraging parents to um, at least contact their physician regarding uh, recommendations, um, realizing that um, 
having a fever does not automatically mean that the a COVID uh, test needs to be performed or a 14-day quarantine needs to um, begin. Um, but uh, if parents can help us um, find or identify the source of their student's fever, um, then that will help us going forward if there needs to be any additional um, or uh, action taken um, in order to <clears throat> keep the rest of our, our campus healthy. All right, good, thank you. Um, can you, can, we had a question for you to review this. I've seen it kind of similar questions along the way. Can you talk again about what the protocol is for the rest of the classroom if a student in a classroom tests positive? So we'll um, definitely be in contact with the, the local health, uh, public health departments in regards to what the current recommendation is. But um, we're really gonna be looking at those uh, students, if they've been um, less than six feet apart for longer than 15 minutes without a face covering, um, that would indicate close contact. If close contact has not um, uh, been established, uh, then again, uh, only those that have been in close contact would be required to um, contact their physician and get their recommendations. Um, again, this this recommendation may change, but that's currently how they're how we are and the local um, public health agencies are defining close contact. Okay, and, and so to, to build off of that, if we have a if a sibling uh, if a sibling test positive, um, do all would all those children need to stay home? Um, if if someone in a family um, tests positive. Everyone in that household would need to um, follow their physician's recommendations in regards to how they're feeling, what symptoms they're showing, um, even if they're not necessarily running a fever, but are, are um, showing some type of respiratory um, symptoms. Uh, they would need to um, follow, uh, like I said, their physician's recommendations on what the next steps would be. Um, so again, I'm not um, saying that, or that families would be required to automatically um, be tested or go into the 14-day quarantine, um, but that may be a possibility depending on what their physician recommends. All right, can you talk about mask guidelines for, uh, for students, what those requirements are, and then we've had some questions about faculty and staff mask guidelines as well. Okay. Well, the, the CDC has a, a pretty good um, uh, guidelines in regards to uh, what a mask should consist of. Um, they've, they've said basically any barrier, if it's going to be a cloth mask, they usually they recommend at least a couple layers of, of tightly woven cloth, um, but also um, the uh, face shields um, are, are uh, considered an acceptable barrier, um, and, uh, and also the um, face coverings that are worn around the neck and can be pulled up over the nose, um, those, those are acceptable as well. So there's really those three options that parents can choose from um, that they feel would be um, best meet um, their needs depending, depending on um, the age of their child. Okay, and last question for you, Angie, before we move over to Mr. Dyer, can you talk about the notification protocols? So if, well, <clears throat> what will happen if a, 
a student test positive in a specific class. Can you talk about how we'll handle that? Well, I, it's, there's going to be um, a phone call that I'll need to make to uh, public health, but then there's also uh, phone calls that um, based on the information of how, um, how close contact the class has been um, during activities in the classroom, um, then would determine how many phone calls I will um, be making um, in regards to notifying parents um, of the situation. Um, so uh, a couple phone calls will take place. Um, I would also be notifying those faculty and staff that um, would need notification as well. Um, so depending on the situation, depending on um, who has been in close contact with the individual um, that has tested positive, will determine um, how many phone calls that I'll need to make. Okay. Well, thank you, Nurse Angie. I know that you are sitting on the hot seat of a lot of these uh, questions, uh, and I, I appreciate your patience and, and the work that your committee is putting into this. I, I do want to make a plug to our families. If, if you have specific questions, um, just like it is with our teachers, we, we are partners with you in this, and we want to get you your answers, and so I would encourage you to email Angie. Um, or email, if you don't have her email, email the principal and we'll get it passed on. And I know for a lot of people, these are some hot topics. So I would also encourage you to email with, with Grace as well. Uh, we are doing our best to get your questions answered and uh, we thank you for your patience. Uh, and obviously our concern, we understand your concern for, for your kids as well. So Mr. Dyer, with that, I'm gonna transition over to you. Well, thank you very much. Starting with car lines. Everybody's always interested in car lines. Uh, so the start and end times have been established and the car line plans are continuing to be fine-tuned with regard to what happens once they're in the doors. Um, uh, but uh, the start and end times are the same. Uh, the routine uh, would basically change only in that uh, we will be taking temperatures of all students before they can join the campus uh, community. So. Uh, for those that are driving themselves at the upper school, that means either a staff member or a coach, if that's the first person they're seeing, uh, would take their temperature before they join. Or for instance, uh, somebody in band, uh, they would have to have their temperature taken before they can join morning uh, band practice. Um, those that are arriving by car um, would have the student temperature taken in the car before stepping out. That way we can ensure that we know that they actually should be stepping out and coming to join campus. Uh, and at that point, we would also remind them to grab their mask because they'll need to wear their mask as they enter the hallways and head off to uh, their classrooms for the morning. Um, obviously, if we find a student with an elevated temperature during that check, um, there might be a few follow-up questions with the parent to ensure that uh, we understand uh, what circumstances might be causing that. And then uh, likelihood though is that until we understand what is the reason behind the fever, uh, we would ask that the student return home until we can determine whether it is indeed related to uh, something with COVID. Uh, we do know there are several things that can cause fevers, but we can't discern that in car lines. So for the safety of all the students, uh, you know, we, we would prefer to take the uh, more conservative approach. So. Um, all right, so lunchtime. 
So let's start with South Campus Lunch. Uh, a lot of people are asking questions about that. And for South Campus, uh, both lower and middle school, all lunches will be delivered to their classrooms. Uh, we will not be using the cafetorium uh, this year. So um, what that requires for us though, is we'll be simplifying the menu with Sage, our food service uh, vendor. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you can bring lunch from home, but you can also order through Sage and have it delivered to the classroom. We'll have an online order form that will allow the parents to choose uh, what they will uh, have their students uh, have off the menu that uh, on a particular day. <clears throat> and uh, then uh, we should still be able to deal with food allergies and special dietary restrictions that uh, we can accommodate because we know uh, who has those. Uh, restrictions and uh, we can ensure that their lunches are labeled in a way that uh, they're delivered correctly and that the right contents are there. So uh, upper school students uh, will still come down to the lunch commons to the food line to the uh, to the serving lines uh, to get their lunch uh, and then the majority of them will return to their designated classroom to eat lunch there uh, but the upper school is working on a rotation schedule where a certain percentage of the students can stay behind and eat lunch in the cafetorium with, the, with friends. We've ordered plexiglass shields for the lunch tables at the North Campus there. And so uh, that should allow them to remain safe while they eat with their mask off and uh, chat with the friends at the table. The, um, number of kids at each table would be limited. Uh, we're anticipating only four students per table with the plexiglass shields in between. And um, as far as purchasing lunch, uh, to avoid the pin pads and anything that causes common touch surface interactions, we're transitioning to a touchless transaction using ID cards we'll issue the students that will have barcodes on them. And they'll be able to uh, enable the transaction using that. So again, simplified menu as well at the upper school, uh, prepackaged hot meals, grab and go cold items like sandwiches, wraps and salads. So, um, all right, let's transition if we may. Okay, cleaning protocols. Uh, so there'll be more details on the next slides, but at the high level, looking at the sanitization, air filters, air filtration. Um, physical distancing measures and, and uh, visitors on campus. So if we want to actually move to the next slide and we'll get a little more detail. So at a high level, we've got uh, hand sanitizing stations uh, throughout all the classroom and common spaces. And then uh, students, faculty and staff are going to be continuing to encourage washing and sanitization regularly. Um, we will also have sanitizer in the classroom itself and a spray surface sanitizing solution in every classroom so that tabletops and countertops and other surfaces that students are using can be sanitized. Uh, our, our cleaning staff, facility staff, will be uh, rotating throughout the campus each day on a regular schedule going around and cleaning also uh, all of the common touch surfaces um, and ensuring that our campus uh, is as clean as possible and sanitized as possible. So. Um, other things that we have done, uh, we have acquired MERV 16 level filtration um, filters for our AC units. So any air that is circulating through the buildings will 
have a filtration applied to them that would be the equivalent of having an N95 mask. So this will help us reduce anything that may or may not be uh, in the air system and not circulated back out again uh, through the AC or heating systems. Uh, we've also bought uh, plexiglass shields for the reception areas and uh, put in touchless towel dispensers in every bathroom. Those are all in place already. And what's not on the slide here is we have also uh, gone back to retrofit every um, drinking fountain on campus to include the uh, bottle filling stations, which will allow um, everybody who wants to have um, uh, bottles uh, for their water as opposed to drinking fountains. So. Okay, so uh, moving on. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to make you aware of, and it is in, in the, the document we've sent, is the operating, operating modalities that we'd be working under. And so uh, we won't go into detail here, but I would recommend you look at these and, and become familiar with them. And we will make every best effort to ensure that every parent knows what level we are in at any given time, so you know what to expect either on or off campus. And so those communications would go out via our communication uh, team. Uh, making sure that if we've moved from one level to another that uh, you're made aware of it as quickly as possible. So <clears throat> the, the, the details are in here. I'm not, uh, I, I will let you read through them at your leisure and ask questions as need be. But um, other than that, I guess, Adam, we can head into questions. All right. Very good. So on behalf of all parents out there with children in multiple divisions, can you talk about the uh, will there be an option to drop off all at once and pick up all at once? Yes. So uh, we understand the challenges of having students at multiple uh, levels, different grades, and uh, we will, uh, again, we know the start and end times. We know the outdoor procedures. All this left for us to finalize is what happens once your child enters the building. And that's that last pit with, bit that we are fine-tuning uh, exactly where your child would go would it be in a holding area directly into a classroom um, and but in any event uh, we will allow drop-off of multiple grades um, and so that you are not uh, stressed uh, with regard to work times and being able to get there so uh, i think the only change might be uh, the uh, early drop-off uh, earlier than normal. Uh, I know last year it was 7.30, this year it is 8. And I understand that can be a challenge, but. Um. Okay, so the earliest a, a family can drop off children would be 8 a.m. Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then in just in terms of all the, the drop-off procedures and where kids will go, I, I, I think it's safe to say that there'll be some communication coming uh, forth from the principals regarding specific divisions and possibly even specific grade levels. Is that fair to say? Yes, and that's the that's the little bits of details we still have to work at exactly um, where we were wanting to keep the children both arriving and leaving uh, at afternoon car lines as well. So just how, how we want to handle that logistically. There's a couple last things to deal with. All right, thank you. Um, I think you'll know the answer to this, uh, but if not, we can we can bring one of the principals on. Uh, will parents be able to walk their kids into the building on the first day of school? Uh, and the answer to that is yes, with some provisions. So of course, uh, like any visitor on campus and student, uh, they would be required to wear a mask and have their temperature checked. 
Um, and in the interest of uh, making sure that um, we have a good start to the year without too much confusion, we also might limit the amount of time they can be in the building saying their goodbye. Um, so that's also some of that detail. Um, Excellent. Yes, I, I would hearken back to the earlier comment about partnering with parents. We want to provide that opportunity, but we would ask, you know, we're going to be asking that that you help us out in, in keeping the hallway safe as well. So uh, a, a question about lunch, will microwaves be available? And you might comment on, you know, both campuses. So uh, microwaves will be available at North Campus um, with regard to uh, where they're gonna be exactly, we're still finalizing that. Uh, but yes, we will make the microwaves available at the North Campus for those students. Uh, South Campus, that decision hasn't been made yet, just because of the logistics of where you would have to place microwaves in order for them to utilize them. And since they're staying in their classrooms and having lunch delivered. So we're not 100% there yet on South Campus on the decision. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions that we have for you, Mr. Dyer. Thank you. And with that, we're going to jump right over to Gene uh, in the financial realm. And Gene, we're going to jump straight into questions for you, if that's okay. Yes. All right. Can you provide our community with a brief summary of the extra investments we've made to ensure we can deliver a quality and safe experience to our children? Yes, this is a, a very good question because I want to remind everyone here how much we've invested. You know, when the tuition rates were set back uh, in the early spring, uh, we didn't have all these uh, costs factored in, but we are spending and investing in our families and our children right now. One of the main things we are is, of course, we've had to go to a lower student-teacher ratio, so we've had to hire some additional faculty to make that happen. And as uh, we also right now currently in our South Campus, we are making renovations in order to ensure that we can have proper physical distancing for our children over there. And of course, as you've heard Bill already mentioned, we've already had um, HVAC uh, filtration systems, plexiglass shields, touchless dispensers, extra cleaning and PPE supplies to make us ready and safe this year. Um, in our IT department, we've added many more technological devices for our children down from first to eighth grade, as well as supporting equipment to help us uh, to improve our Wi-Fi network um, in the South Campus and to optimize our on-campus experience. And probably one of the most important things we've done is that we have, uh, our board has asked us to invest and pull from our reserves additional two assistants to help keep all of our current families here who are undergoing financial stress. All right, uh, second question, is tuition assistance still available? You kind of just spoke to this, but I wanna ask it formally. Is tuition assistance still available for those who have been financially impacted and are possibly considering withdrawing? Absolutely. Our board did make this a priority this year that no one should have to leave for financial reasons if we can accommodate that. So I do urge each of you out there, if you're thinking because of financial reasons, you need to withdraw or planning to, uh, please contact Sherry Mosley. We want to hear your situation. We know many of you here um, in general may have never applied for this and you realize that, well, if I have to turn in my 2019 income, I'm not gonna qualify, but we get that. 
and we know that the bottom has dropped out from many of you here and we'll want that information because we want due diligence but we also want to hear what has happened in 2020 as a result of this pandemic we're sensitive to that you are a part of our family and we want to avoid having your children if at all possible having to transition out of this school and you know only to come back later on so we do urge you and I, I ask you to contact Sherry Mosley and get, uh, get an application going. And I say this um, in all respect to each of you, if the only thing that's holding you back is pride, don't, don't hold back. Your children are worth it. We know they're worth it. You know they're worth it. And we, we want to have you here next year if at all possible. All right. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate that. Um, Last question, if we must close campus again and transition to distance learning this year, does LCA have a plan to adjust tuition? Yes, our finance committee has uh, developed a tuitions credit plan in the event that we uh, transition to distance learning for an extended time. Um, at this point, we are, we are not uh, disclosing all any of the details because our finance committee wants to see how our current enrollment uh, uh, ends up. We want to look at what costs we're incurring and we want to see at each grade level what your educational experience is for your child so that we can make a determination what if any appropriate credit would be for the school year and these appropriate these credits will be applied um, to the next school year. Okay thank you so much I appreciate that Gene and with that I think that we can probably transition to our general Q&A. I've got a few that have popped up after we had spoken to individuals. Um, and I think I'm going to go to Mr. McGee first with this question, uh, just to, to reiterate, because I know we've had a number of families join after uh, the, the town hall had begun. Who will make, Mr. McGee, who will make the ultimate decision on closing LCA's campus? And can you talk about, again, how county mandates impact us? Yeah, the decision to, uh, uh, to actually start classes on uh, August 6th or not, or to transition to distance learning, will be made by the leadership team with the blessing of the Board of Trustees. Um, and I, I want to reiterate what you just said, uh, Adam. We are still under the authority of the governor of Texas and Denton County officials. So if either one of those entities issues an executive order that affects our, the date of our on-campus openings, we'll have to comply. We don't have an option in that. So um, uh, anyway, our, our leadership team is convening on this coming Monday at 9 a.m. Um, I imagine we will look, discuss this for several hours um, and we will make a decision as to whether or not we can move forward with our scheduled August 6th opening uh, or if we have to make adjustments to that. So I would ask parents just to be patient with us. We'll uh, try to get out that information as soon as possible. Okay, excellent. Um, Joy, I'm going to jump to you with a question. If, uh, well, I'll give you a general topic to speak to. Can you talk about, because we've talked about um, car line times already, but can you talk about 
the early release and and why that's being offered at the middle school and then as you answer that can you talk about whether those kids have to be picked up or if they can stay on campus you know perhaps if they have siblings getting out later absolutely thank you adam as a result of the cdc recommendations the class sizes the teachers are now teaching for longer periods of time um, they're essentially losing planning time so in, in, in the scheduling, we needed to find space for them to continue to be able to have the, the rigorous academic time and planning and education that your children have become accustomed to and our families have become accustomed to. So we looked at Wednesday, the last period of the day, which is a non-instructional period, so your children are not losing any instructional time. And subsequently, the teachers are gaining planning time to be able to plan for instruction. So that is the rationale behind the early release. Essentially, our blocks of the day have gone longer and there's just not enough time for the teachers to have that time to plan. Um, the second part of that question is yes, we will make sure that if your student cannot be picked up, we will have someone staffing there to monitor those students until the normal uh, regular timing uh, for pickup. So that's how that will work. Did I answer that question, Adam? Yes, ma'am, you did. And Mr. Mosley, I'm going to throw the same question to you because I know that you have uh, a different school set up or a different schedule this week, a, a four-day on-campus required week. Can you talk about why you have your uh, schedule the way you do and why that works? Sure, Adam. Um, well, obviously having older students changes the, the game a little bit. They're much more able to work independently. Um, so we put together a task force of uh, parents, students, teachers, um, and, and we looked at several different models um, with the idea of having to go potentially back in and out of distance learning with the additional sections that each of our teachers are teaching and having to share those sections instructionally with other instructors. Uh, more planning time is needed to do it well. Um, so the combination of all those things came up with a four-day model in which they will be on campus um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and on Wednesday, they'll have about 15 to 20 minutes worth of independent work that they will do, um, you know, to, to basically end up having the same amount of minutes of instruction as we had last year. Um, so they will do that and, and sub submit that work um, during that time. Also be available on Wednesday tutoring for, for teachers virtually or in person. And look, if you have a, a younger ninth grader, let's say, and you don't want them to be at home, you can bring them to school to do the independent work at school supervised. So we've provided all options for families, and this allows our teachers the time and the ability to do education well and meet the expectations, the high standards that we have here at Legacy. Very good. Thank you, Kevin. While we have you up on screen, let's just ask the one standing town hall question. Do you have an update on athletics? I do. Uh, Mr. McGee and I and um, Coach Johnson just left a TAPS conference update. So they have been monitoring and looking at different things and so they've come up with a solution. Um, a lot of things have been out there, rumors about swapping spring season and fall spring. None of that is happening. The bottom line is this, uh, as of today, and it's subject to change, but as of today, football will not start any earlier, I think, than September the 3rd, and that means practices. Will, will not start until then. We'll be able to continue to do off uh, summer type training no matter when school starts, but they have pushed the start of all fall sports, volleyball, football, all of those things will start in September, basically have shortened, truncated uh, the fall sports season by a month. They they're still have uh, state championships on the same date, those type things. They've also moved back 
um, at the start of the, of the winter sports as well to allow there some time uh, to finish out and, and some room maybe to move those if they need to with regard to state championships. But the bottom line is this, um, we will not begin practice. What we would normally have started on August the 3rd has been moved to September. So it's been pushed back a week and those games have been truncated. They will not be made up with regard to football. Volleyball has the option of making some of those up, but you really, it gets really challenging when you're trying to keep kids in school. Um, and so, so we'll, we'll lose some of those games as well, but we're at least going to play. It's, it's moving forward that we're going to play and that's what we were, were wanting to hear. And it's just some of the mitigation things that we have to deal with, but I'm excited for our students that they will get the chance to play, you know, unless things you, know, you continue to deteriorate, we're hoping they're going to improve. All right, and so uh, just kind of watching some questions come in about sports specifics. I think probably the thing to say is that coaches, now that we have some information, coaches will be reaching out regarding practices, tryouts, uh, cheer camp, all things related to athletics. Coaches yes. will communicate specific information. Yes, and, and Adam, please remember, when I say this is hot off the press, I mean, it literally was an hour ago. So he, I don't even know that Coach Johnson has told our coaches yet. That's, that's how hot off the press it is. And we're all about transparency here. So we're getting this out as quick as we can. But obviously, the details and the communication threads that, that uh, are required as a result of this change will begin as soon as we possibly can. All right, excellent. Thank you. Daniel, I want to jump back to you with a question about the online learning option. Is it a one-year commitment or can families opt for a semester commitment? It is a one-year commitment. Um, there's various programming differences between the lower school and the middle and upper school, but parents need to look at the online as a one-year commitment. Um, that's what we're asking parents to commit to. They'll be relinquishing a spot. It could fill through our admissions um, funnel. Um, so parents with LC Online uh, look at it as a one-year commitment. You're relinquishing your spot on campus. Um, if you'd like to pivot back and forth between the physical site and any concerns with, with being uh, virtual, then our, our on-campus model provides that flexibility for those scenarios. So the LCA Online is a one-year commitment. All right, very good. Uh, and I do want to just go back to Mr. Mosley's uh, comment about athletics. It would start September 8th. Uh, athletics would start September 8th. So I pushed to after Labor Day weekend. Um, Daniel, uh, a, a final clarification about online for those students. I believe it's grade 6 through 12 uh, who are enrolling online through 7-star. Their academic support would come through 7-star. Is that correct? That's correct. We'll help with the administration of that and provide some, ad some additional accountability to make sure students are keeping on track and parents are aware if students are not keeping up with, with the curriculum, but, but the instructional support, um, the grading, all of that will come through Seven Star. All right, perfect. And then uh, I wanna give you a chance one more time to summarize what families should do in regard, if they wanna choose the online learning option, uh, it's to reach out to you and or our admissions office and start that conversation, is that correct? That is correct. We wanna we want have a conversation with you to make sure that you're making the best decision and have all your questions answered about the LCA Online, uh, primarily because the spot will be relinquished. We wanna make sure um, you have that, that full understanding. Um, and so please reach out to myself, to admissions, um, and we'll, we'll help you. And we have the, the formal paperwork to send to you as well. Okay, perfect. 
And then along those same lines, if a family wants to, they're, they're choosing on-campus learning, but they feel like they need to be in that, take advantage of that flex option, do they, is there notification required there? Or is it, would it be better to say at this time, stay tuned and we'll communicate more about that in the future? Well, for on-campus, that's the default unless the student family transitions to the LC online. Uh, there's a different enrollment contract for the LC online. So if a family doesn't move in that direction, then they'll be in the on-campus and flex is just part of it. So whether it's the start of school or mid-December, a family decides it's best for their child to remain at home for a season, they'll have that opportunity. So nothing needs to be communicated to us if you're in the on-campus you'll have that flexibility given different scenarios that your family might be facing uh, to be in the physical space or at home being supported by your teachers. Okay, thank you. Uh, Nurse Detloff, a question for you. Uh, in regards to temperatures, what number will be considered for a student not to be allowed to stay on campus after their temperatures checked? We're going to continue to use the temperature range that's already in our handbook um, and that is uh, temperature is is considered anything um, 100 or above. Okay all right well I believe we have addressed all of our questions. Mr. McGee I'm going to throw it back to you with one final question and obviously uh, if you have you know closing remarks um, that would it would be good. Um, if we are not on campus on August 6th on our intended start day. Will we be in, will we automatically go into distance learning? And then if, if you can tie into that answer, uh, the answer to this, I know you've mentioned multiple times we'll be meeting on Monday to kind of answer that question. Families can probably expect communication from us on Tuesday, um, maybe Monday, but, pro but more than likely Tuesday. Um, I'll, I'll kind of leave that out there for you to address. No, that's absolutely right. We're, we'll make a decision as to whether we can convene on campus uh, this coming Monday, and we'll get out a word to you as soon as possible. I can't promise you it'll be Monday afternoon, uh, but we'll try our best to get it to you as soon as possible. Uh, you know, we're going to look at different options. If, if we decide that we cannot open our campus on August 6th, then we'll have to, at that point, decide uh, when and if we will go to distance learning at what point. So um, all I can say now uh, is stay tuned. We will uh, uh, convene uh, on Monday and we'll come out of that meeting with a plan and we'll communicate that plan as soon as possible. So I, I want to wrap everything up and uh, say uh, say a few comments before uh, we uh, we close uh, this afternoon. First of all, parents, thank you for all your questions. Every question that you've posed is a good one, and we are attempting to answer it to the best of our ability. Please understand some questions are still being um, processed that we don't have the final answer. Uh, again, because we are in such a flexible situation or a fluid situation. And, uh, you know, for example, with the athletics, uh, Mr. Mosley was exactly right. That information is, is only about an hour old. And so, you know, when, when you ask questions about uh, uh, athletics and fine arts, we've been waiting to get direction from TAPS for several weeks now. We finally have that. And so we'll be able to come back and give you more details in the future. 
Um, and there's, you know, obviously some logistic questions that we're still working uh, uh, and trying to finalize. And we will be working right up until the first day of school. Uh, and it is very possible that once we start the school year, we may have to make adjustments on the run. Uh, you know, I know, I know there were a lot of concerns about car line and drop off uh, procedures and things like that. We may have to make some um, some adjustments uh, as we get into it. So, so I, I am uh, thankful that uh, practically all the parents that we talk to that ask questions are very gracious and understanding. I, I do want to say this, folks. Um, we all, whether you're a parent, a teacher, a student, staff, we all have to accept the reality that next school year will be very unusual. It will not be business as usual. We will all be inconvenienced from time to time. And we've had to make some decisions that were tough decisions that frankly will inconvenience you as parents. There's no way around that. Some of those things are beyond our control. Some of them are uh, our attempt to ensure that uh, our students are, uh, are limited in their exposure to one another. They're, they're, uh, they're all safety related issues that may be uh, uh, inconvenient to all concerned. So please be patient and please extend uh, extra grace. Um, you know, there's really no reason for you to be disrespectful or snarky to our nurse. Um, I'm, I'm sad to say we've had a couple of, of parents who uh, um, emailed our nurse with, with some very um, un, uh, unprofessional comments uh, questioning her and her decision making. Please understand that she is a spokesperson for a committee which is made up of uh, two medical doctors who are also parents in our school and that committee is making recommendations regarding the different protocols. So when you hear from Angie Detloff, it is not her making that decision. It is a committee that is informed by medical doctors as well as, as uh, team leaders. So, you know, parents, please understand, there's, there's really no reason for us to be disrespectful to one another in our communications. The majority of you uh, know that and I appreciate that. But uh, you know, I know you get upset, you get frustrated because you don't have all the answers you uh, ha want, or maybe you uh, don't like the answers you're getting. There's really no reason to be disrespectful. The, the, the world is watching Christians right now. And if we can't respect one another, then why would we expect them to respect us? We have an opportunity to be salt and light and to be an example to the world of how Christians should teach, should uh, treat other Christians. So I would ask and I would appeal to all of us, staff, faculty, parents, students, let's, let's just, let, let's exercise an extra measure of grace here. We, we need to love one another through these. It's, it's really, these are tough days. And I have a, I, I'm, I'm overseeing a, a, a team of 150 people who are working their tails off for the children and the families here. And they sometimes have, have to make hard decisions. And please understand that. 
And as I'm, I'm looking at your comments, I'm getting a lot of amens. And thank you, parents, for understanding and for uh, helping us in this matter. So I've had several people reach out to me and say, how can I help as a parent? How can I, I help the school navigate these uh, difficult times? Well, here's a couple of ways. Um, we are working on recruiting a cadre of substitute teachers and classroom monitors uh, that is exclusive to our school. So, you know, we're expecting that there will be a, a substitute teacher shortage. And we have uh, really no, um, we don't know whether or not um, uh, or how many of our faculty might uh, have to take a sick leave or might have to be quarantined. And so it, it's really, it, we have to shore up our substitute ranks. So parents, if you are not working and have the uh, ability and the desire to help, uh, we'd love to include you on the substitute list. Um, no teaching experience is required. Uh, in fact, uh, what we're in imagining is that a number of our teachers may have to teach from home, but if you're willing to supervise, monitor a classroom, uh, help us set up the technology so a teacher can teach from home, we would love and welcome your participation in that area. Uh, we're looking at uh, offering a, a, a very um, a, above market pay for that uh, in order to be exclusive. So what we'd like to do is, is recruit a cadre of, of uh, people who are willing to be our exclusive substitutes so that they're not substituting around to other schools. So parents, if, if that is something you would like to pursue, uh, please let us know. Uh, we would love to uh, uh, put you on that, uh, on, that, on that list. And we would also, if perhaps, maybe you just want to volunteer your time. Maybe you want to help out with our car line, help take some temperatures, uh, things of that nature. We, we could use you. So, you know, this, we're going to get through this, um, uh, this challenge together. We're stronger together. And I just so appreciate the opportunity to partner with you, parents, and thank you for your offers to help. Uh, we are going to make, make it work here. And, and, and I, I can't be more proud of the legacy community than I, than I am right now. So with that, I think, where do we go? Oh, we're going to ask Dr. Joy Bell to close this in prayer. Mr. McGee, thank you so much. And thank you so much for your leadership. Lord, we are so grateful for legacy. We're so grateful for the leadership of Mr. McGee. Lord, I specifically pray not only for legacy, but for our nation, for our world. Lord, I pray that you will be with us, that you will give us wisdom, that you will give us guidance, that you will give us clarity. Lord, I pray for each one of our families, as I'm certain that they have many thoughts, many concerns, maybe some fears. Lord, I pray that, that you will remind them of the scripture that says that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. And so for every family member, every staff member and faculty member, I pray that that spirit will rest on them. Be with us today and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, all right. I think it's, uh, we're gonna turn it over to Shannon with just some closing reminders. Yes, wonderful. Well, thank you all so much for being with us. Uh, thank you for hanging on. Uh, this was a long meeting, but we appreciate you hanging in there with us and um, asking so many wonderful questions. So 
Really briefly, wanted to share a few save the dates, make sure that you uh, have these written down. Mr. McGee mentioned these at the top of the presentation, but wanted to make sure that you have these in your calendar. Uh, we will continue to reiterate these dates as we uh, continue promoting, uh, but just FYI, so Eagle Expo is going virtual. Uh, we will not be having an Eagle Expo uh, event in person. So we will have a variety of town hall meetings and meet the teacher opportunities in its place. So first up is a back to school kickoff town hall, which will take place on Monday the, the 3rd at 5 p.m. Uh, the lower school town hall will happen directly after that. Middle school is on Tuesday evening and upper school is on Wednesday evening. And then meet the teacher opportunities for lower school. All families new and returning will have an opportunity to come up on campus, meet teachers in tour classrooms. Uh, Ms. McCollum will be in touch regarding uh, sign-up opportunities for those dates so that you can grab your spot and uh, come up on campus to meet your teacher. Middle, middle school and upper school on the 5th, all new families will be invited on campus on Wednesday morning to uh, meet with faculty and principals. And again, more information coming soon from your principals, so keep an eye out for that. Lastly, first day of school is August 6th. And as Mr. McGee said, that, uh, that may be shifting, but ultimately August 6th is our start date, whether we're together or online. So with that, uh, last but not least, we've got our resource guide here. If you have any questions that you did not get answered, uh, please reach out to the folks that you heard presenting on the call today. Or if you don't know who to reach out to, uh, please contact questions at legacyca.com and we will do our best to get back to you. So with that, uh, God bless you, we love you, and we can't wait to be with you soon. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in August.